I'm just honestly spending time, you know, going through the playbook, going through, you know, the call sheets, uh, pretty much, you know, before the game, making sure, you know, that I'm on my on my cues and, you know, crossing out my crossing out my T's and dying out my eyes as far as, you know, what they do and how how it can hurt us. So just preparing. I just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Ed, I've got uh, some stats to read you from the Raiders game here real quick. Um, Raiders receiving. Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 141 yards. Darren Waller, four catches, 79 yards. Hunter Renfro, three catches, 21 yards. Is it possible for all three of those guys to have a good game? Oh, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I mean, but again, it goes back to what you were saying at the top of the hour, at the 7 o'clock hour, is that there will be games where he gets a lot of time to throw. And in those games, I think that there's a chance that they all have good games. In those games where what we saw the other day, and he can't get the ball out or they're pressuring him too much or he, he struggles getting the ball out because he holds it on too long, maybe not. But I think that it could it could start this week against Arizona. How often? I mean, he's got to target the other guys more. No. That's the other thing. He's got to target the other guys more. Oh, here, here's here's another stat for you. Targets. Uh, 17. Devontae Adams, 17. Darren Waller, six. Hunter Renfro, six. Brandon Bolden, two. And nobody else got uh, double, uh, double or multiple targets besides those players. So uh, let me ask you this way. How often this season do one of those three or two of those three have a game where they go three for 21 yards or something along those lines? How often are we looking at the Raiders receptions and two of those big three have a bad game or one of those big three have uh, a bad game. The eight and nine and eight. <laughs> <laughs> so half the game. <laughs> so, all right. The reason I ask you all that is because this off season, the Raiders traded for and paid Devonte Adams. The Raiders paid Hunter Renfro and eventually they got there. The Raiders paid Darren Waller. This maybe maybe you can be your Tuesday under uh, reaction again. Maybe it's an overreaction for me. <laughs> is it already a mistake that they paid three different pass catchers in one offseason? Underreaction, I'm going to say no. I get, I know what your overreaction is going to be. That they should not have paid three pass catchers. they should catchers. not have paid three pass catchers. Because I, I think it is. I think it's, I thought it was a mistake from the start to pay all three of them. And I, and for a minute there, I thought they were going to not pay Darren Waller and say, well, yeah, we're right to the end, right? That we're not going to pay Darren Waller and we're going to never pay Darren Waller, right? As long as he's willing to play on his contract, we'll let him play on his contract, but we're not going to pay him because it would be dumb to pay three pass catchers when you have other significant holes. And the Raiders obviously have one massive hole on the offensive line that then directly impacts these other three guys' ability to produce. But I think when you look at the Raiders and that first game is a good example of of what could go wrong, there's no need to pay a guy who's going to make three catches for 21 yards a significant amount of money. But well, yet, that's, that's one game. It is. That's but one game. if that happens nine times this year, well, okay. We're looking back and saying, what'd you do? Like, why did you give that much money? And here's the key without spending any money on the offensive line. Like the, the Raiders, the Raiders had a clear hole at the end of last season, a clear issue with the roster. And that was the offensive line. It wasn't very good last season, right? This year, we knew the entire offseason that the offensive line's not very good. 
And the Raiders elected to not address that at all. And instead, and the way I view this, is Adams, Renfro, and Waller, if you're going to pay all three of those, one of them is considered a luxury, right? Paying two pass catchers, fine, right? You need guys to catch the ball. But paying three is a luxury. And if the Raiders had a good offensive line and the defense was fine, which it actually kind of was in the first game, then I'd say, okay, fine, spend on the but luxury. why didn't they do both? Because they could have. They could have. They I'm well. Lot of cap, well, they had a lot of cap space. Depending on how much they wanted to spend on the offensive right. line. Yes, they could, they could have at least done one thing to the offensive line. But I will say, I don't know if one player fixes the offensive line, right? If they had gone out and gotten a right guard for $8 bucks, I it'd be better. But I don't. we'd still probably be talking about, well, the offensive line's still kind of questionable. But yes, they could have conceivably done both. Or at the very... To me, in my mind, it would have been, okay, you trade for and pay Adams... And then you choose between Waller and Renfro. I probably would have chosen Renfro because he's younger, right? And not coming off an injury. And then you spend your money on the offensive line. And you go get two guys to play on this offensive line to help them out. Not Dylan Parham and Thayer Munford in the draft, even though Parham had, I think Parham had like the best pro football focus grade of any uh, offensive player for the Raiders. So outside of Adams. Um, But they should have spent money on something that was a necessity before they spent money on something that was a luxury. And this offseason, they didn't do that. They spent money on luxury, which was a third pass catcher, as opposed to fixing the offensive line. And I think we're going to look back, and that's going to be a roster-building mistake by the Raiders because we're going to have plenty of games like that where Adams gets a ton of targets, a ton of yards, and one of Waller or Renfro, and maybe both sometimes, do absolutely nothing. And you're going to look around and say, why did we pay those two? and completely ignore the offensive line. I'm going to underreact and say that they're going to be better than that, and I can't believe I'm underreacting. You've been mild been, today. Been yeah, mild today. come on! Um, underreact talk and radio, say, Andy. and... We had first take on the TV instead of charm today get, to get you pumped up! <laughs> and I think they could have done both. But they didn't. They didn't address the offensive line. They could have spent more on the offensive line they could have spent more on the offensive line and still yeah. paid, and still gotten those guys paid. Yeah. Um, here's the other interesting part, sort of more long-term beyond this season. Uh, we've talked about a lot this off season, the guaranteed contracts that the Raiders handed out or how little of it was guaranteed. So to run through this, Devonte Adams, uh, and Derek Carr essentially only have one year guaranteed on right. their contract. We've talked about that. Yeah. In March, Devonte Adams has 43 million more guaranteed. So if Adams is on the roster in March, he gets 43 million more guaranteed. Carr, if he's on the roster in mid-February, gets $40 million more guaranteed. Uh, Renfro only has $14.5 million guaranteed, which is kind of a season and a half. He gets next year fully guaranteed if he's on the roster sometime in March. So Renfro is basically a year and a half. Uh, Max, even Max Crosby, he has $26.5 million guaranteed. His next two years, 23 and 24, are fully guaranteed if he's on the roster at the start of next league year. Basically... All of the big contracts that the Raiders signed this offseason, they can get out of after one season. Well, do you give them credit for that? Team-friendly deals. I think deals. it's tremendous job by the Raiders front right. office to sign these deals. Darren Waller, by the way, he got 19.2 guaranteed. He basically got two years. He got this year and next year effectively guaranteed. Not fully he got for like next year. like a $5 million dollar raise, right? Right. Because it would but, have been $14 million. Yeah, and, like, and so... It's not fully guaranteed for year two, but it's going to be stupid for the Raiders to cut him after right. this season, most likely. But basically, all these big contracts are one year and kind of two years for some of these guys' deals, which means 
at the end of this season, they can reevaluate the Derek Carr deal and decide if they want to keep him. They can reevaluate the Devontae Adams deal and decide if they want to keep him. They can reevaluate the Hunter Renfro deal, the Max Crosby deal. Darren Waller's probably got two years. But they can sit and reevaluate all these deals and decide, okay, what did and did not work and get out of them. I think it's tremendous by the front office to do that because they can get out of these right. deals if things don't work. And that I think they do deserve credit for. I don't think they spent their money in the right places, but I think the way they structured these contracts was very smart. I wonder if that's why Drew Rosenhouse said this was one of the most challenging negotiations yeah. I've encountered. What a fun that was, quote. That was a great quote. Right. Like, does that mean they wanted more money? They wanted more guarantee? Like you said, they can get out of it. It has to mean some of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it has to mean, I don't know what else that, that one of the most challenging negotiations I've I've encountered. What else does that mean? That they that they stood pat on what they were going to do, like they did for the others. Right. You have to assume it's because of something the from the Raiders side, McDaniel's and right. Ziegler, something right. they were they were adamant for about whatever. in terms of what it was going to be. And Rosen, I was like, wow, that was difficult because negotiating a good tight end who has no guaranteed money like, like that's not some foreign concept. It's not like on the player side, it was some foreign thing. So it was it, it was a fascinating quote to hear. And I do wonder how much that was because ultimately, like, what did Waller? I, if I was the Raiders, and I'm, if I was the Raiders, I wouldn't have given him a new contract because he was willing to play. But if I'm the Raiders and I'm okay with giving him a new contract, I would have been like, well, I want to give you one year guaranteed, one full year guaranteed, and then we'll figure out in the offseason. Waller ended up getting a year and a half, basically guaranteed. He's got basically half of next year guaranteed. So I wonder if that's sort of where the meeting point was that the team was like, we'll give you one fully guaranteed year. Waller and Rosenhaus were like, well, we want at least two. Right. And they kind of met in the middle and say, okay, well, if we cut you after year one, you're going to get about half the money that you right. would have gotten in year two. So it's it's an interesting quote to hear from Drew Rosenhaus when it, I don't know, probably shouldn't have been and that complicated. most challenging negotiations I've encountered were the negotiations two weeks. Right. It wasn't very long. It wasn't very long. Right. He came in and that deal was, they were done in a yeah, hurry. exactly. So it couldn't have been, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it was that challenging, right? I mean, it wasn't that long. Maybe he came in with certain ideas automatically, and they they shot him down right away, and then uh, and then it got really down to what what was going to go both ways. Yeah. So, good job by Drew Rosenhaus, I guess. Right. Yeah. Darren Waller got a raise. Yeah, he he's got getting, a raise. He's, he's getting at money. least nineteen million dollars when he would have. He had none guaranteed technically, but if he had played out the last two years, would have a fourteen million dollars right. guaranteed, and most likely he's going to get. I think it's twenty six million um, as long as he's on the roster next year. So presumably he's going to be on the roster right. next year. So pretty good job. But that, but then again, credit to McDaniels and Ziegler 2022, 2023 Waller's probably on the roster. Then the next three years, it's just like the situation Waller was in this year or would have been in this year, all non-guaranteed. The Raiders can essentially go year to year with Waller after that. Now he'll be a little bit older. Maybe he tries to renegotiate at that point and say, Hey, I've got no guaranteed money. I've been really good. Give me guaranteed money. Or maybe he hasn't been that good or he's hurt or whatever. And it's, uh, yeah, thank you, Darren. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, this is what we can do with the contract. But I think they deserve a ton of credit for how they structured him. I just think they spent the money in the yeah. wrong place. Like, I just would have spent it in other places than where they did. Well, the offensive line, for sure. Right, given what the roster is, what the roster was. And again, to go back to the point at 7 o'clock, you knew what quarterback you had. You knew what issues Derek Carr had. <laughs> To not spend money on the offensive line when you when everybody knows he's not good Ooh. under pressure, he doesn't evade pressure, he, do, he doesn't scramble, and he doesn't move in the pocket well to evade pressure. You Can I go grab the Bosa sound? 
Yeah, do you still have it? Yeah. Let me go grab it. You knew all of that about Derek Carr and didn't spend the money on the offensive line. It's still fascinating to me. Like, yes, you got him weapons and whatever. Complain about Derek Carr's weapons for all these years, but you knew he needs a good offensive line to be a truly good quarterback. Uh, we knew once we hit him a few times, he really gets shook, and, and you saw on, on CeCe's sack, he was pretty much curling into the ball before we even got back there. So, um, great dude, great player. He's been having a great year, but we know once you get pressure on him, he kind of shuts down, and he's not as effective with the with the crowded pocket. So, uh, that, was, that was the key to it. If they had called oh. Joey Bosa before the offseason, they would have spent money on an offensive lineman. But that's also, like, think about that. That opponents literally know, like, this dude doesn't shake off hits. Well, We just got to get to him once, and we'll get to him all day. And that quote was a year ago, and then look what happened on Sunday. And that quote was from a year ago. Yeah, they asked him to block Joey Bosa. (laughs) (laughs) He was having Vietnam flashbacks. It's Bischoff's Briefs. Coming up, we're going to have tickets to go see Alice Cooper. Stay tuned for that. Ryan Wallace will join us shortly as well. All right. Here's a very important list for you. Randy Bullock of the Titans missed a game-winning field goal from 47 yards away. Evan McPherson of the Bengals missed a 29-yarder in overtime that would have won the game, plus had a point after blocked in regulation that also would have won the game for the Bengals. Chris Boswell missed a 55-yard field goal in overtime, though he did come back and hit the game winner for the Steelers. Rodrigo Blankenship of the Colts missed a 42-yarder in overtime. Youngway Koo of the Falcons, he had a 63-yarder blocked in the game. Might be harsh to blame him. And then Brandon McManus last night missed a 64-yarder that would have won the game for the Seahawks. This NFL Week 1 was about missed kicks. Meanwhile, you know what happened in the Chiefs game? Harrison Butker rolled his ankle on a kickoff. And so Justin Reed, the safety, who, if you remember, Andy Reed let him kick an extra point in uh, the preseason. Right. He kicked two extra points, made one, missed one, but one for two on extra points. Butker came back, handled extra points the rest of the way. However, Justin Reed handled all the kickoffs after Butker rolled his ankle, and most of them were touchbacks. I think he had one or two returned. The Chiefs scored a lot, so there were a lot of kickoffs in that game. I've been telling you guys this for a year. Oh, here we go. Why in the hell are you wasting a roster spot on a kicker? What are you doing, NFL teams? You're telling me the Chiefs have a safety that can line up and boot the ball through the end zone on every kickoff and can make an extra point, and you're wasting roster spots on these guys that can't hit game winners from 47, 29, 55, 42? Get them off the roster. Get them off the roster. Guess who was mic'd up? Justin Reed. Butker's kick is away. He falls down as he kicks it. That's smart. Yeah, Too much that, stay ready, kick it. Butker, he just under his ankle. I bet. Just He's literally bet. Just, hey, you're kicking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want to kick. Why are we wasting roster spots on guys that do one thing and they can't even do it well? I just enjoyed the... I just love the idea that... And apparently every other person on the team... Wants to do this job. Of course you do. <laughs> Every other guy on the team's like, yeah, I can kick too. Yes, because there's zero pressure on you. Right. There's none. Because if you miss, well, yeah, of course. No, you're, you're, a, safety. You're, a, you're a safety. Right. What do you mean? Of course I missed. If there's zero pressure. If you're not uh, the kicker and you're in there to kick, oh, zero. I would love that job. You can only win 
If you miss, everybody expected you to miss. If you make it, you're a hero. Yes, Justin Reed's a hero. And I'm here to tell you, Justin Reed needs to just spend he, 15 minutes every day at practice kicking and get this Harrison Butker guy off the damn team. He does. He does do that. And my favorite part is apparently he consistently hits 65 yarders in practice. No. Yes. Are you serious? Yes. He's got a leg. His first kickoff went through the uprights. <laughs> the punter was on the sideline with his hands up saying, it's good. <laughs> So, Why are we wasting roster spot? Harrison Butker's got a five or four million dollar cap hit this year. Harrison Butker, it's more than four of the Raiders, also has linemen. maybe one of the strongest legs in all of football. And the safety's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> There's a finite amount of roster spots on an NFL team. Fifty-three, and what do you get? Forty-eight on game day or whatever it is. And NFL teams, you're putting are, Daniel Carlson out of a job. They're wasting two of them on guys that kick. Not just Would you one. switch it up? What if Daniel Carson was a really good punter as well? Listen, here's my main argument is that you should never have a kicker and a punter on the roster. That that is So stupid. it doesn't matter which I, one you're saying. No, it's whichever just, one can do both. do both. Do both. Right? I would prioritize the kicking part over the punting part. Because it actually leads part. to points. Right. Exactly. I, I would not have two guys that do both. And here's the thing. It cannot be that hard to get good at both. It cannot be that hard to be really good at kicking field goals and average at punting, or really good at punting and average at field goals. It cannot be that hard if you can do one. I would actually go the opposite direction and go the punter to me is more important because I'm going for it on fourth down, where at least if like we stall out, my punter might be able to pin them it, it, like pin them back. If you're going for it on fourth down, why are you punting anyways? Yeah. On the, okay, I'm going for it on fourth down if I cross the 50, no matter what. It could be like fourth and fifteen. Well, then you drop kick. That's harder than kicking the field. You learn. You just learn to kick the field goal. I take the points. Listen, the Chargers. Brandon Staley went forward on fourth down more than anybody last year. There's zero reason that guy should have two people to kick the ball on his roster. The Bills have like not punted in like a year, and yet. They still have two guys specifically to kick the ball in two different ways on the roster. Meanwhile, the Chiefs' best kicker might be their safety. <laughs> if I if it was up to me, this is how my the I rare would have, occurrence though. You can't find. The, I don't yes, know if Trayvon Moore is going to go and hit a thirty-five yard field. I goal. guarantee every I NFL team. I guarantee every NFL team has somebody on the roster that kicked in high school. Has to be somebody on that roster kicked in high school. Has to. And if they can kick a 40-yard field goal in high school, get them to practice some. Okay, because here's what I would do. I'm only having one kicker on my team. No punter. Just, he's just the kicker. He handles kickoffs. He handles field goals, extra points, and punts. If he gets hurt, I might be screwed. But I'm making sure I have a Justin Reed on my team. I'm making sure I have a safety, a tight end, a wide receiver that practices 15 minutes every day, field goals, and punts. That way, if that guy does get hurt... We have somebody competent enough that they can kick off for us, that they can punt for us. It's not that hard of a job. It's not that easy either. <laughs> There's no defense to but, anything you do. I, you I, do not have to read a defense. All you have to do is learn how to kick the ball in a specific direction. One time a guy's got to hold it. One time it's off the tee. One time you catch and drop it. All you got to learn is the technique for all of these things. So if you've got the leg, take 15 minutes, learn the technique, do it every day. You can do it in a game. I Danny, 
Oh, go ahead, Danny. Well, what I was going to say is um, some of these teams need to do what the Cowboys are doing. And I didn't know they did this, but apparently back during the COVID year, the NFL put in a new rule where you can bring up practice squad guys for the game day and it creates like two or three extra spots. The Cowboys don't have a punter or a kicker on their active roster. They're both technically part of their practice squad and they just bring them up for every game day. So they have 53 regular players, and then they bring up their punter and their kicker. Wow. That it, sounds wrong. And it also didn't help. <laughs> like, well, they, they, they punted a lot. <laughs> so it kind of helped. Does that sound right so, that you can no, do that and that add, add, add numbers to a roster? You can, you, can only add, you can only add players so many times from the practice squad to the active roster every year. Like You can only call up a player like three times. That's what the, the radio broadcast said during the Cowboys game was that they because of the rule from the COVID year that you could bring up practice squad players for the game, they have their punter and their kicker listed as practice squad members and then bring them up every week. Right. I, Coming I, up next, and I don't believe Danny. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, boys. How you doing? Good. All right. I've got a question for you. Which captain will win a playoff series uh, next? Nick Suzuki or Mark Stone? Uh, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Mark Stone. Okay, are you confident in that? Yeah, I'll go with Mark Stone. I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah, like it, it, I, the Montreal Canadiens are not making the playoffs this year, so um, I, I've I've at least got a couple of seasons <laughs> for this to bear out. So I'm good. Okay, uh, Canadians. What happens if they do make the playoffs? Nick Suzuki, the best captain they've ever had. No, come on. Uh overperform expectations. I don't want to hear it about anything from when there were six teams in the league. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Did you see, I'm sure you did, the quotes from Mark Stone to Gary Lawless on feeling disrespected? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I think it's a good attitude to have. Um, If if I'm the Golden Knights going into this season, I, I would want to tap in as much as I can to that feeling because you could make the argument that the best success the Golden Knights ever had is when everyone else was writing them off. Have you ever heard Mark Stone talk like that? No, no, I haven't. And, and it's interesting because, you know, I, I think that it, it comes from a place where, you know, as a player, as a professional, you're, you're probably tired of hearing about what other people think of your team, what other people think in the room, what other people think you're going to be this year. Um, and you just want to go out there. You just want to prove them wrong. And, and I think that, you know, there's certainly the irritation of having to listen to that, but I think there's also, you know, personal disappointment with how the season went for the golden Knights. So it, it's anger, it's frustration, but it's also pride for Vegas. And, and I, I'm curious to see how they open the season this year, given all of that kind of swirling in the background. I mean, also, in athletes, all right, he's not the first athlete to do this. How much do you interpret it as kind of trying to manufacture a chip on their shoulders? I, You know, that's a fair point, but I, I don't feel like the chip's manufactured here, right? Because all we talked about going into last season was that the Golden Knights are a contender. Anything that they do in the regular season doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is whether or not they win the Stanley Cup. And when you go into a season with that expectation and miss the playoffs, all of a sudden, everything gets, gets 
you know, called into question. You, you lose your coach. You have to move on from your coach. You have your third coach now in six seasons. There's a lot of question marks about who you're going to play with, who's going to be healthy. You don't have your number one goaltender to start the year. Um, I don't know that the chip on the shoulder is manufactured in this sense for the Golden Knights because there's a real distinct divide between what they believe in that room they are and what the hockey world sees them as. What did these Canadians say to him? Because he said it was people in Canada, in Canada telling him he sucks. What did they say to him? <laughs> did, did you just say people in Canada? Yeah. Is, that, is that a thing that you did? It'd be a better country really? if they were called Canada. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, from, from reading Gary's piece, we had him on the show last week, too, to kind of talk about it, set it up as well. Um, they, people were telling Mark Stone not not that the Golden Knights were, were just going to be, you know, that, that they were bad because they missed the playoffs last year, but that this season was going to be no different, that this is not a good Golden Knights team and that they're likely going to be where they were last year, and that's outside the playoff picture. Were these like his friends, or is like Mark Stone unable to go grocery shopping in Canada without getting yelled at? I mean, I think he's probably unable to go grocery shopping in Canada without getting yelled at. I, I don't know the specifics of who said what and, and how it was kind of relayed, but the sentiment is not foreign right now in, in the hockey circles, right? Like, I think a lot of people this season are predicting the Golden Knights to not be very good, not be very competitive within the Pacific Division, and, and I think that that's going to be one of the biggest storylines surrounding this team. How do they perform this year with the expectation that they are not Stanley Cup contenders, that they are not expected to be nationally as good as they've been and how do they how do they kind of silence those critics well and we were talking about it before you came on in in another breath he says we have a lot to prove and isn't that true he has something to prove because the back eichel's never been to the playoffs uh the goalies certainly have something to prove so in that sense he's saying what's correct uh in terms of what they do have a lot to prove yeah, and I think the part about having to prove it to themselves and then prove it to the fans is an important one. Prove it to management as well. I mean, there's, you know, anytime you miss the playoffs, it kind of calls into question what you feel about yourselves individually as an organization on the ice, all of those things. So uh, to, to state that the Golden Knights don't have something to prove is, is inaccurate. And I think Mark Stone kind of hits it on the head that they've got to go out there. He's got to prove that he's healthy. Jack Eichel has to prove that he can be the best player on a playoff team. Uh, you you got goaltenders that need to prove that they can play, uh, you know, average to, to slightly better than average in order to get this team into the playoffs. You've got a defensive core that needs to prove that they can cut down on goals against. And you need some players kind of in the middle of the lineup to, to prove that they can be more than what they've been to this point in their career. And if the Golden Knights are able to prove that, they'll be in the playoffs. If all these Canadians that were telling Mark Stoney sucks were telling Max Pacioretty that, would he have felt uh, the right amount of pressure? Um, you know, pressure is a tricky thing. You uh, you don't like it when you have it, and then I guess you blame it when you don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like the Max Pacioretty thing is interesting because you know the the most important thing when Max was traded to Vegas, and the thing that he continued to talk about day in and day out was that the pressure was off and you just were able to go out and play the game. And then, you know, you come to find out that after he's traded, he's talking about how there wasn't enough pressure. I think that that's kind of the grass is always greener. Like you're going to come from a pressure, like 
an absolute pressure pit in Montreal here uh, to Vegas, and, and things are different, and expectations are different, and you know you, you might long for it, but I don't know. I mean, Max Pacioretty's going to score a bunch of goals when he's in the lineup and healthy, and I, I think the biggest question mark for Max is going to be how many healthy games is he going to get in next year? How much healthy hockey does he have left in his in his career? And to me, if I'm the Golden Knights, I, I think that it made the most sense to kind of move on from a piece that might not have been healthy going into this year. They're going to sign Nick Hague? I'd like to believe so. Um, I I don't get the sense that Kelly McCrimmon's too worried about it. Uh, I you know I saw the tweets from Vince Sapienza earlier uh, or late last week about where the Golden Knights are in, in relation to Nick Hague and, and kind of the contract negotiations. Um, I don't know that it gets done before camp, but I do think that it gets done during the preseason. I expect Nick Hague to play at least a couple of preseason games because the fact of the matter is if you're Nick Hague in this situation with a brand-new coach who preaches defensive responsibility, I don't want to miss out on practices. I don't want to miss out on systems. I don't want to miss out on giving myself the best opportunity this year to set myself apart and set up that next contract. So if it doesn't happen prior to camp, I would expect it to happen early in camp because it's just detrimental at that point to Nick Hague and his progression this year. Are those black jerseys real? I don't know. I, I have Come no on. inside information when it comes to jerseys. Uh, do you like None. them if they are real? If they're real and they've got a sword on the on the pants, absolutely. Yeah, also absolutely. the one jersey I love. Ed, Ed over here thinks it's the greatest hockey jersey. I'm not, I'm not even exists. a jersey guy, but I hope they're real. <laughs> I'm uh, serious. He he rolls his eyes every time I talk about jerseys and logos. Right. But when this thing came yeah. up, he oh, was like, man, was "Best like, jersey I've ever yes, seen." Yes, it was a great. I love the font. I love the Vegas. I love the sword. I thought it was well, great. I'll, I'll be honest, and and like, let me let me preface this by saying, when you're the Vancouver Canucks and you've literally used every single color in various different re, rebrands of your jersey, you don't get to claim anything. Right. But um, if the if the black jerseys are real and they exist, and that's the template that they are, um, they remind me a lot of like the Canucks in the '90s, and and, and that's kind of a nostalgia point for me. Um, but I don't care. Like, if they're red, if they're green, if they're purple, if they've got swords on the pants, I'm, I'm all in. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's great. Ryan, what's your favorite Alice Cooper song? Alice Cooper? Um, this might come as a shock to you, Jared. I, I, don't, I don't actually listen to Alice Cooper very much. I, I don't have a favorite Alice Cooper song at all. I, I, I don't. You I seem don't. like the kind of guy that'd be totally into Alice Cooper. I'm disappointed. Yeah, no, no, never, never happened. Never happened. All right, we're giving away Alice Cooper tickets in about two minutes. <laughs> He's Ryan Wallace from the VGK Insider Show. Uh, you can, you guys are back uh, over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Don't worry, Ryan. I could not name an Alice Cooper song right now either. Uh, but thanks hey, for joining us. Cools out, cools out, right? Is, is, that, yes. is that an Alice Cooper? That song? is an Alice yeah. Cooper song. Yeah, Jared's disappointed. All right, there in you. it is. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. So there's Ryan Wallace from the VGK Insider Show. He and I normally have, like, basically the same taste in music, so it's very strange that he's not a big Alice Cooper guy. Alice Cooper!
you can win tickets right now. He is playing at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson on Saturday, October 8th with special guest Ace Freely, and you can win tickets from us right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number 12 at 702-364-1100. You'll win tickets to go see Alice Cooper with Ace Freely on Saturday, October 8th at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. That's 702-364-1100. So this is when the manager went to get him. And uh, something was said by Littell. And then when Gabe came back into the dugout, he said, all right, young man, we got to have a chat. And a chat they had. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Brett. He's going to see Aerosmith. Congratulations to William. He's going to see Alice Cooper. Uh, Fernando wanted us to know songs by Alice Cooper. Uh, Superstars by Alice Cooper. And School's Out for Summer by Alice Cooper. Fernando's been tweeting at us all day. I figured I'd read at least one of them. Did you guys see that LSU fire? Or that LSU fan? Oh, yeah. Fernando really about wants this us kid. to talk about it. Did you see the guy? Oh, no. whoa, whoa, hold on. Hold on. We'll tease it. We may get to it tomorrow. All right. Yeah, you're right, Fernando. Um, Ed, have you seen? Oh, wait. I need to say this. Danny was half right. Uh, the Cowboys <laughs> The Cowboys did have their kicker on the practice squad. Not the punter, just the kicker, yeah. and elevated him for week one. Okay. You can only elevate a player three times in a season. So this is not a season-long strategy unless they cut their kicker and sign a new kicker every three weeks. Which... Is plot would not be the dumbest thing in the world, but Danny was half right. All right, I'll take it. Okay. Do you even need to work out a kicker? Like, if you've seen of a guy, course. well, I if it's a rookie kicker, maybe. But I'm just sitting there like you. You, I saw you kick with the Bills. Yeah, you're right. fine. Yeah, I would think so. This is uh, this is the punter. He's gonna hold it. This is the long snapper. Uh, talk to him about thumbs. Yeah, just make sure you don't sign a guy that your holder can't hold for. Or, like if it's a lefty kicker instead, like the holder's like, oh, I can't turn around and do it the other that, way. Oh, that's the do- skill that you think that these guys can't learn. Yep. You're like, hey, I can teach anyone how to kick. I can teach anyone and how to not hold. Whoa, holding. Yeah. I, re- I remember Big that deal. was a problem in high school because I was See? a kicker and my holder had only held for right, right-footed kickers. And when he had to hold for me, it took Are him- you a lefty? Oh, yeah. Really? A left, left-footed Weirdo. kicker? Yep. That explains a lot. All right, the gambling. The I just enter gambling. I just sent you a tweet, Ed. I saw it. How do you feel about the Browns' new midfield logo? I sort of like it. Okay. I don't like it as much as the Golden Knights uniforms, <laughs> the new uniforms. But I sold. I, I sort of like it. You? It, so the for those of you that aren't aware, the Browns uh, normally have their their helmets logo right. as their, their midfield helmet. logo. They are reportedly replacing it, according to Jonathan Jones. With uh, their very seldom used logo of Brownie the Elf. Yeah. And it is, I mean, I legitimately, great. it looks like um, an angry Santa's elf. elf. It looks like a Keebler elf. But yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. orange and black. And that's the concerning part. His face is very angry. haunting. Like, I'm mad. Like, if you saw that, you would be scared. See, I'm more Bitter? freaked out by the hands. His hands look like claws. He does have a very big hand, a very pointy finger yeah. that could probably stab you. Does this feel very like Division Three football stadium? Yes, it is. He also has the pointy elf ears, 
with the angry face and the and the brows are all his brows are all crinkled. It's very his it's, nose is crinkled. It's a very creepy logo. So okay, here's I like thing. it better than the helmet. Yeah, yes. I mean the that's... Browns are. It it annoys the hell out of me that the Browns don't have a real logo. Your logo cannot just be a solid colored helmet. That that can't that should not be allowed to be your logo. Don't they sell sell stuff with a logo of like a bulldog or something? Yes, I but it, for, it's like this elf. There. It's very like seldom, seldom used. used, very rarely used. Like the team, sure they'll sell shirts, but they don't use it on anything. Can they just alternate their midfield logo every game and do bulldogs some days? Some days the the helmet, and some days even the NFL logo, like the Jets and Giants do. No, never use the helmet. Helmet's stupid, and the NFL logo is also stupid. But it's just like <laughs> how you have an NFL team that doesn't have a logo. Like they kind of do, but well, they don't use they, their logo. Is our helmet is or and the other part? They're the Browns, and their helmet's not even the color brown. No, it's orange. Well, it's named after Paul Brown, but that's uh, they still use the color brown in their color scheme, just not as the main color. It's stupid. So the the Steelers kind of don't really have a symbol. Yeah, they do. What are you talking about? Well, no, that's the that's the symbol for steel. Like that. That's right. Sim- but they adopted it as their own. That's fine. <laughs> It's right, still a logo. It's not yeah. a plain black helmet. Well, it is on one side. No, but I'm saying there, if you bought a shirt with the Steelers logo it on it. It would just be a black helmet. It would not be a black yeah. helmet. If you, buy, if you went and bought a Browns shirt with their official logo on it, you're buying a shirt with a plain orange helmet on it. I'm trying to think. like of Well, maybe now you're buying one with the elf on it. Right. I mean, the Giants oh, my God. If, the, if they're the gear. What do you mean the Giants don't have one? It's What's just the Giants logo? The it's just NY. That's not that's a logo. Not a logo. That's, an that's just initial. Well, yeah. it's better than just a helmet. Have you? Pay, do you either of you watch football? Yes. What do you think is on ninety percent of football teams' helmets? Letters. Yeah, but most teams have like a logos. Okay, like, like what do you mean? Like the star? Well, like the Raiders, for example, have they have the the guy, face the guy with his shield. eyes closed. They yes. don't just have Raiders on the side of their helmet or LV. Because that's not their logo. The NY is their logo. It's it's a terrible logo. But I don't, logo. I don't think it's a good logo. I'm telling you the Browns don't have one. No, they just have a plain helmet. <sighs> their helmet is a yeah. orange, orange. Or their logo is an helmet. orange helmet. That's not a logo. That's, they did not that's design just a, a logo. That would, ju- that would be like if you had a new team and it was just like knee pad. Yeah. What do you think on the side of UNLV's helmets? The letters UNLV. Right. Just like the Giants. Well, do they have a logo yet? UNLV? Yeah. No, they do not have no. an active it's, hey, uh, logo. It's, yeah. it's UNLV, but yeah. it's like slightly bent. Yeah, it's their scripted. only logo is that. What do you think the 49ers and Bears are on the TV right now? What are their logos? An SF and a circle and a C. Like, go through college football in the NFL. Everybody just uses letters because that's their logo. No, but Notre okay, Dame. wait. The Broncos. The use, Golden uh, Helmets. The, the horse, the yeah. Bronco. Well, John Elway's face, and the <laughs> like. The Chiefs have an arrowhead. The, the Seahawks what, have a. What, tell Seahawk. me what's in that arrowhead. Uh, KC yeah, normally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What did the Commanders just do? They just went W, yeah. which is just like terrible. a big terrible, <laughs> absolutely terrible. Like so many teams just use letters, which again I don't think is good. I it's yeah. not good. The Broncos have a very good logo for a helmet. Right. It looks good on the a Seahawks. The Seahawks, actually, the Falcons have the best. Probably, I think the Eagles do. But like logos on helmets, yes, there's a lot of bad ones. But at least you have some letters that suggest to you what it is. The Browns just have an orange helmet. You think they put this kid on the helmet? No. Yes. No. Oh my I mean, god. They should. But they no. should. They should put this kid yeah. on the helmet. They should put literally anything. Just put a damn C for put Cleveland C on there. <laughs> 
make it brown and it would be better. Put a brown dot on it and it would be better. <laughs> a huge, just, a huge brown dot in the middle of the. In, in no, the middle not of the in the middle, just like slightly to the right. Yes. Like just make, just make someone with OCD freak the bleep out. Uh, so I'm happy the brownie the elf is there. He is a little scary though. I don't think they have a physical mascot of this guy, do they? Not that I've seen. That not that we've seen. We, I don't have time to Google. That would rocket to the top maybe, of my terrifying mascot. Maybe list. they'll reveal him this weekend. Oh boy! Uh, will, along with the logo. Yeah. I will not be a fan if they reveal a human that looks like that because that <laughs> thing is terrifying. That th seriously, you see their elf logo walking down the street. Oh, <laughs> walking down the street. You're dead.